0: Timothy tonight, 1 Timothy chapter 4, chapter 5, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 5, 1 Timothy chapter 5. Now, let me, don't want to be too much of a distraction to you, but I just warn you, I got into a nest of ticks the other day, and I have been eaten alive, and so if I lean down and scratch, please pardon me, but... I have been scratching all day, all around my ankles. I got, I look like I got into a thing of chiggers, but they, they tick. So I think I, me and the kids counted last night. Me and Ezra, at least. I think I counted on one leg, uh, forty some bites. So, I'm having fun. So that's, I'm a little bit distracted. So, uh, so anyways, let, we'll uh, look here. <laughs> uh, try and get get my composure here, but. Good to be saved <laughs> all right let's uh, let's look here in First Timothy chapter five and uh, read a little bit. I want to try to preach to you tonight about dying while you live, dying while you live. Look here in First Timothy chapter five and look in verse one. The Bible said, "Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. The elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any, have, if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. But, she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. She's dead while she lives. So I'm going to try and preach to you tonight about dying while you live. Father, I pray you help us tonight. God, pray that you help me, Lord, to focus. I pray, God, for grace. Lord, I Lord, pray for the congregation here tonight. Lord. God, I pray you'd bless them, God, for being here, Lord. Bless them, God, Lord. I I pray, Lord, that they came looking for something, God, and I pray that you'd give it to them, God, Lord. Whatever the need of the hour is, God, for each heart that's represented here this evening, God, I pray that you'd meet the need. God, help and undertake for us tonight. God, Lord, I, I pray, God, that you'd bless your word. God, bless the preaching of your word. And Lord, we'll thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Bible says here in verse seven, it says these, I'm sorry, verse six, it says, she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. It seems like a, quite a bit of a paradox, but it's not a paradox. It's not a contradiction. Uh, And I don't think you have to look very much further to see that it's not a contradiction than to look at your own condition before the day that you got saved. Uh, Before you got saved, the Bible said that you were dead indeed in trespasses and sins. Uh, God said, "Listen, God said that you 're dead. Now you was walking around and you was talking. Of course, if you was a teenager, maybe an empty-headed fellow, maybe you was talk- walking around mumbling, uh, but you was walking around and talking and you was eating and you was doing all kinds of stuff, you was alive, but God said you was dead. God said you was dead. You don't have to look any farther than your own unregenerate state. And the thing about those dead people, those those people that are lost and without God, they think they're living. They really think they're living. A lost man's attitude is because I don't have anybody to tell me what to do, so to speak. We understand, you know, you've got the lawman and you've got mom and daddy. Of course, some folks don't even have that, unfortunately. But you've got the lawman, mom and daddy, maybe you've got the judge or you, maybe you've got the warden or whoever it is that might be over you. But really, a lost man lives his life and just says, I'm doing what I want. Right. I'm just living old, any old way that I want to live. And they estimate themselves to really be in the blossom of existence. This is a wonderful life, a lost man thinks. It's a wonderful life just doing whatever it is that I want to do. You remember thinking that? Yes, sir. I, I, I bet you, if I had to guess, I bet you that there's, there's some safe folks in here that thought that after you got saved. Yes, sir. But that's especially characteristic of a lost man. Think, man, it's all, it's all going well. It's all, it's all just the way I'd like for it to be. But God says you're dead. You're doing what you want to do. Living the way that you want to live, thinking that you're in the blossom of your existence and the flower of your age is how the Bible terms it in one way. Yes, sir. God says you're dead. You're just dead. You're dead. You're dead. And what's interesting about that is that the moment that those people who estimate that they're so alive, the moment that they actually begin to live as far as God's concerned, all of a sudden here comes this big check. Here comes this big constraint on those evil desires that they had before. It's called the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden at the new birth, there's something that moves inside. Somebody that moves inside and says, now you know that ain't right. A lost man knows it ain't right, but boy, the moment that you get saved, boy, that all takes on a new meaning. There's something that totally just becomes, it it becomes rejuvenated, so to speak. It becomes brand new. And the way that a a man's flesh works, the way that his flesh operates is that he looks at it as though he's in liberty so long as he gets to do whatever he wants to do, so long as he's living undisturbed in self-will. This is a wonderful life. Well, what makes it so wonderful? I get to do what I want to do. I get to be me. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that a fool has no, understand, he has no delight in understanding except that his heart may discover itself. You know what a fool's favorite subject is? Himself. His, his, favorite, uh, his favorite line of thought, the thing that he wants to think about is just himself. And God says that's death. That's a dead man. A dead man thinks about himself. Now you walk out over here into the graveyard and you try to strike up a conversation, you're not going to get much out of them. And if you do, please let me know. We will move this building. Yes, sir. We don't want to be nowhere near that kind of interaction. But God says as far as spiritual things are concerned, a man that's uh, just unbridled in his own self will he's a dead man he's a dead man but the holy the holy spirit estimates life to be in somebody that's not walking according to his own will he's walking to somebody else according to somebody else's will it's a new will it's it's god's will well the bible says right here it says this lady that is talking about it says she's she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she lives she's She's living in pleasure. You know who this lady is? I don't know what her name is. I don't think you know what her name is either. And if you do know, please don't tell me. But you you don't know what her name is. But I know where she lives. I can tell you what her address is. You want me to tell you? It's P-L-E-A-S-U-R-E. That's where she lives. Pleasure. That, that spells pleasure for some of us homeschoolers. Yes, sir. It spells pleasure. She... That's where she lives. You say, well, Brother Nathan, she got, she's got, you know, some kind of house. Well, listen, let me ask you this. Don't you have a house? Don't you have an address? If I came to you and I said, now, please tell me. You know, you get every, I don't know how often it is, but every uh, two years, four years, six years, I don't know how often it is. Uh, the, the Census Bureau sends out these little postcards. And, you know, we've missed you so much. Would you please update all this information? And those are usually things... Everybody's got a scowl on their face, and I know why. It's because you take them and throw them in the trash can, just like I do. I don't want the government knowing who I am. Oh, but your county can get all these tax, you know, whatever, or get all these grants. I don't care. I, I just don't care. I don't, I don't want the government knowing anything more about me than they already know. Uh, they already got cameras everywhere. I just... I don't, want, I don't want them to know. But if I came to you, I, I got on a little rabbit trail there. If I came to you and I said, now, where is it that you live? Oh, you say, well, I live at 3521 Spanish Creek. That's where I live. I live at, you know, wherever it is that you live. Well, this lady, if we went to her and said, where do you live, ma'am? She'd say, in pleasure. Hey, you know, down at your house, that's where you spend most of your time. Ain't that Right. That's where you spend most of the time. Of course, some of you fellas, especially during the summer, you live somewhere else. Brother Tommy is the one I'm thinking about. Boy, Brother Tommy just about lives out in a field cutting grass. He lives on a skag. Uh, brother, brother Chris, maybe uh, just about living down there on a trash truck or managing somebody that lives on a trash truck. I don't know. I don't know what all these fellas do. But I know this for all intents and purposes, the place where you live is your house, it's your address. That's the place where you spend most of your time. That's where your family gathers together. That's where your family gathers together. That's where your family is focused at. Hey, I'm going to bring them down to where I live. I I don't want my kids going home with you every night. You say, why? Because they're my family and they live. They live. It's where they live. They live with me. Hey, you know where I take solace at? You know where I take refuge from the cares of this world from? My house. It's where I live. Well, this lady lives in pleasure. That's her address. You know where she spends most of her time? In pleasure. You go through and you read the description of what kind of lady he's talking about. And he's talking about who to determine that the church should take on as a widow. Who, who the church should financially support as widows. And he said, these gals, he said, these gals that, he said, she that liveth in pleasure. You better watch out for that one. That's somebody that said, and I'm not preaching about that tonight per se. I'm preaching about people that live in pleasure. Yes, sir. It's not just limited to ladies. Ladies is not the only people that have problem with living in pleasure. It's it just as much fellas. It's just as much teenagers. It's just as much little kids. Hey, you know why? You know, you, have you ever wondered why you can give a little toy to a kid, they'll sit there and they'll play with that thing, and just I mean be be, be fascinated with it. And then you take another kid the same age and throw them in the mix. And that kid reached over and try to grab that thing out of that kid's little hand. Oh, that's mine. You know what that kid's concerned about? Pleasure. Hey, it pleases me. This is what I'm satisfied with. Well, this lady right here, this is where she lives. That's where she spends all of her time. Hey, if you want to find this gal, you just go on down to a place called pleasure. Hey, there's a, there's a passage in Proverbs chapter 7. This old gal, there's a gal in there and she goes out to a young man. She, she, there's a young man that's looking out there and he goes out and he goes down by this lady's house. And she says, why don't you come on, house, come on down to the house with me? And he says, well, what's down there? And she says, pleasure. And you know what that young fella doesn't realize? The Bible goes on to say what, what he doesn't realize is the moment that he goes into that house of pleasure. The moment that he goes into that house of happiness. It's a house of happiness. That's what pleasure means. It's a place of happiness. The moment that he goes on down there, he doesn't realize that there's a dart that's fi- fixing to be put through his liver. He doesn't realize that that house of pleasure it leads down to the gates of hell. Doesn't realize, doesn't realize it's going to be real bad for him. Well, I'm going to go down here and I'm going to have a good time. No, you're fixing to go down there and ruin your life. If you ever come back out of that house, your house is going to be broken into a million pieces. Your life is going to be destroyed. Yes, sir. What's down there at that house? Pleasure. That's where where this individual lives. That's where this person lives. That's where you can find her at. Yes, sir. That's where she takes refuge. That's where she takes comfort. That word solace, that means comfort, refuge. Uh, You know where some people take refuge in their life? Just gotta be happy. Just gotta be pleased. Hey, why you reckon, why you reckon a dope head gets in a pinch and all of a sudden he's got to have him a joint or he's got to have him a streak of cocaine or he's got to have him a shot full of heroin? Huh? Why you reckon a drunkard all of a sudden when he gets in a pinch, why you reckon he's all of a sudden got to have him a fifth of liquor? That's where some people take refuge. It just, just got to be stoned out of your mind with pleasure. Just got to have fun. Yes, sir. And what you don't realize, what you don't realize is the harder you chase that stuff, listen to me. Please listen to me tonight. The Bible says you're dead while you're living. He that liveth, she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Now listen, I'd be a fool. I would be a fool to say that God doesn't want you to enjoy anything in this life. That's not what I'm trying to get across to you tonight. I hope you understand that. The Bible said God hath given to us richly all things to enjoy. God's given you some things that you can enjoy. But you know where the problem comes in? is where you make that the goal and the emphasis of your life. Got to be happy. I got to be happy. I got to be happy. Who said you have to be happy? Hey, listen, I'm right there with you. I want to be happy just as much as you do. But let me ask you something. Who said you have to be happy? Yes, sir. What a lot of people are doing is they're making happiness as the cause of their life instead of letting life be the cause of their happiness. Yes, sir. Hey, if you have the right kind of life, the thing that should come out of that as a byproduct, is happiness. Yes, sir. But what a lot of people's trying to do is, well, I've got to be happy. I've got to be happy. I've got to be happy. I'm not happy. I'm not alive. I'm not living. You got it backwards. You need a life. You need, some, you need some power to live. And then what will come along with that is some happiness. And you know what? Let me tell you something. If you're alive and, you, and you're still not happy, it'll be okay. So long as you're alive, there's tomorrow. I I wish we would get that through our heads. Hey, if you go to bed today and everything didn't work out as well as you would like for it today, there's tomorrow. God being merciful, God allowed me and you to wake up tomorrow. But hey, if you don't wake up tomorrow, if you're saved, the Bible says joy cometh in the morning. But hey, even if God does let you wake up tomorrow and I love this life. I love living. But if you wake up tomorrow, man, another opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. This lady lives in pleasure. You know what she says? You know what her mantra is? I want to be happy. I want to be happy. And the Bible says while she's looking for that, while she's making that the primary goal of her life, she did while she lives. Yes, sir. You know why? You know why she can't live? She ain't got no power to do so. She ain't got no power to do so. The difference, you know what the difference between being alive and being dead is? You know what the difference between those two things is? You say, Brother Nathan, I certainly do know what the difference is. Let me tell you in a word what the difference between life and death is. It's a principle. It's the principle of life. But it's a principle. Uh, I woke up this morning, and when I woke up this morning, you know what happened right in here? My heart beat. As a matter of fact, it's done that all day. Sometimes it's done it more than others. It's done it faster than at other times. Sometimes it's slowed down, but it beats. You know why? Because there's a principle in operation. It's called life. That's how life works. I got two lungs. At least that's what they tell me. I ain't never seen them, but they tell me I got two lungs. They tell me you got two. Two lungs, unless you had a doctor take them out. My granny's got one lung. I'll I just throw that out. Or no, that's maybe one kidney. Uh, but either way, uh, they, you got two lungs sitting in here, don't you? Okay. Well, you didn't really have to think about breathing today, did you? When you woke up this morning, you didn't have to look down at your chest and say, now you better make sure you beat all day today. Huh? What would happen? Listen, what would happen if your heart, if you woke up one morning and your heart tapped you on the, from the inside in your chest and said I'm just not happy today I don't think I'm going to work I don't think I'm going to do What the principle of life Requires out of me I'm just going to kind of take it easy today Hey, You, you wouldn't last very long I don't know how long you'd last But you wouldn't get out of bed You know why you was able to get up and move around today? It's because there's a principle that's operating. There's something that, there's a power, there's a source, there's an origin that says, hey, heart, keep beating. Hey, lungs, keep breathing. Hey, mouth, keep eating. Appreciate that that principle. Absolutely. Uh, But see, those things are in operation. Those things are in operation. But what drives all of that principle is not pleasure. I'd say that if your heart woke up this morning and said, well, I'm just not very happy today. I'm not going to work. You'd die. Well, your heart can't operate by pleasure. It has to operate by principle. You know why a lot of people is dead while they live? Because they've replaced principle with pleasure. They've removed principle. Principle's the way you're supposed to live. It's not always the way that you're going to be happy, but that's the way that you're going to live. They replaced principle with pleasure. What's more important than principles? What's more important than being consistent? What's more important than operating according to the truth is, well, I just want to be happy. You know what's going on? You're dying. When you make being happy the chief goal of your life, you're heading towards a place of death. That's what it says. The, uh, it says, She that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. You know who you could ask about that? There's a man by the name of Samson. Yeah. Oh, Samson. He's, I, I bet you. I, I don't know that he was a big, strong, muscular fella. You probably couldn't tell looking at Samson. Samson was probably not much bigger than me. Just looking at him, probably a scrawny fella. But I bet you he was a handsome fella. Why would all these ladies be attracted to him? Of course, I don't know. I've seen, I've seen some other options. I just leave it right there, man. Uh, some, some of the fellas, man, uh, you ever, I'll go ahead and say it because I don't embarrass myself, but you ever seen a fellow like Danny Castle who cheated on his wife about three times and wonder why somebody could cheat with a fellow like, looking like that? You say, Brother Nathan, that kind of uh, uh, embarrasses me. Well, kind of embarrasses me too, but I don't want you to think I'm a homosexual, so I make fun of somebody first. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I do care about what people think along those lines. Right. Mm, much more than that, I don't care. But you talk to a fellow like Samson, all these gals attracted to him, you know what Sam, Samson liked? He liked principle. Right. Yeah. What, what he made the emphasis of his life is pleasure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He got into a place. He got into a place to where he said he looked at his mom and, and his daddy, and he said, get her for me. Not because she's a godly woman. Not, but not even because she's from the seed of Israel. It's just because she makes me happy. She pleases me well. That's what he said. And what he didn't realize was just a couple of chapters later in his life, he wasn't going to have his eyesight, and he's going to be sitting down grinding somewhere in the devil's prison house. You know what happened when he got down there with no eyes? He's down there in a in a... In a grinding house, grinding meal for the Philistines, going in circles. You know what's going on with Samson? He's dead while he's living. He's existent. He's alive, but he's dead. He's not the man that he used to be. Yes, sir, he's not the man that he used to be. Uh, How about Herod? Old Herod got into a situation to where he married his brother's wife. He took his brother's wife, and old John the Baptist looked at him and said, God said it ain't lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias, which was his brother's wife, Philip's wife, she, Philip a king, not Philip, one of the followers of Jesus. He, she took that old fella put him in prison. And he had him down in there. Never going to hear much from John the Baptist no more until some, one day Herodias' daughter comes in and dances before Herod. And the Bible said that that dance pleased Herod. And he had all of his lords and all of his men sitting there. And he grabbed that girl and he said, I'll tell you what. He said, you name your price, whatever you want, I'll give it to you to the half of the kingdom. And the Bible said, she being before counseled by her mother, asked for the head of John the Baptist in a charger. And the Bible said that Herod was sad. He was upset about that thing. But for her sake and for the sake of those that sat with him, he had it done snapped his fingers and cut off the head of the man who was going to be the only witness. He was going to be the only source of the word of God that he ever heard. Cut his head off. Hey, a couple chapters later, he had Jesus Christ himself standing before him. Excited. Hey, maybe Jesus is going to work a miracle for me. And Jesus answered him, not a word. You say, what happened? Uh, Herod took it more important that principle was not a big deal. What was the most important thing in his life was pleasure. Listen, the day that he cut off Herod's head or, or cut off John the Baptist's head, you know what took place from that day forward? He's dead while he's living. He's still on the throne. He's still got all this power. He's still calling the shots. But he ain't got no word from God. You know, a lot of folks have made pleasure in their life. The priority... Instead of principle, doing the right thing, doing what God wants them to do. And as a result, you know what they're missing tonight? A word from God. Hey, a lot of folks have made pleasure their priority tonight. And you know what they're missing? They're missing power. Yes, sir. There's some folks right now as we speak, I say right now, I don't know what time of the year it takes place, but there's a lot of folks on Wednesday night could be out uh, messing around with softball messing around with T-ball, messing around with high school football. God knows we worship that in the South. And I ain't got no problem with high school football. I just got a problem with it being, uh, practice being on Wednesday night. Ain't nothing wrong with your hobbies. There ain't nothing wrong with your hobbies so long as they ain't uh, immoral or unethical or illegal. There ain't nothing wrong with those things. But I tell you this, when they start uh, getting in the way of your principles, you better drop them like a hot cake. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. A lot of people have chosen to maintain the family ties and not make anybody in your family upset. And a lot of what you miss is, hey, I got contact with Aunt Susie, and I got uh, contact with Uncle Bob, and I got contact with Grandma and Grandpa, but you lost touch with the Lord. You know what? Hey, listen. When you get into that kind of situation where you got contact with everybody else, but you can't get a prayer through and God can't get a word through to you. When you get in that kind of situation, you know what's going on. You're dead while you're living. You ain't lost your salvation. You're still saved and on your way to heaven. But hey, if God can't speak to you, where's the joy in living? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You say, how do I get there? Just take your pleasure. Take your happiness and make that more important. Make that more important than God's principles. You're dead while you live. You're dead while you live. That's what's going to happen. It's going to happen every time. You know what dying people can't do? They can't offer a whole lot of resistance. I, I ain't never taken a 200-pound sack of feed and threw it on top of a grave and heard a dead man grunt. That's a little bit of a morbid illustration, but I think it would be real enough to you. You never heard no dead man grunt under being under a load of resistance? Yes, sir. Uh, the idea of strength training, I, I'm not very strong, but I do try to strength train. I got me a barbell set at the house, and the idea of strength training is to find a fixed measure of resistance and get under that resistance and push or pull against it. Yes, sir, whether that be 70 pounds or 700. Of course, if you can move 700 pounds, uh, more power to you <laughs> in a literal sense. But uh, the whole idea is get under a fixed measure of resistance and you push against it. And you know what happens when you do that? That sends signals to your body, electrical signals, but also hormonal signals. Your body begins to emit hormones and it tells you muscles. It says, hey, we got to grow. We got to get bigger. Hey, we couldn't necessarily meet it with ease this time. That's what your body tells itself. We couldn't meet it with ease this time, so we're going to have to push a little bit harder. We're going to have to take a little bit more of this guy's diet, and we're going to have to grow. We're going to have to push along. And then the next time you get under that same amount of weight, you can meet it with a little bit more ease. And the next time you get under that same amount of weight, you get with a little more ease. And the idea is you just keep piling on the resistance and piling on the resistance. It's called, some people call it resistance training. That's what they call it. And so it causes you to grow. Uh, You know why it works that way? Because of a principle. You're alive. Dead men don't have that principle. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I have never, I have never had to look at my muscles After getting done with an exercise and look at them and say, all right, now it's time to grow. Never had to do that. They just know how to do that. I've had to tell them, hey, it's time to grow faster. But I've never had to tell them, hey, it's time to grow. Because they're alive. They're living. Then why is it that some people don't grow, spiritually speaking? Hey, you know what? The resistance comes to a man regardless whether you backslid or whether you're right with God, resistance comes to a man. You know what it's called? It's called your flesh. It's called temptation. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. The resistance is there. But you know what? You, if, you take, if you take a barbell and load it with 100 pounds and put it on the shoulders of a dead man, you know what happens? He buckles. You know why a lot of people buckle under the pressure of the resistance of the Christian life? It's because they're dead while they live. What they've done is they've made the priority in their life happiness. I've got to be happy. I've got to have pleasure. Hey, this life don't please me. Well, you take that attitude. Listen, you take that attitude and what you're going to do is you're going to be dead while you live. When the resistance comes... You're going to buckle under the pressure. Yes, sir. Let me show you something. Look up here in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at what the Bible says in verse 7. He said, but refuse profane and old wives' fables. And what's that next word? Exercise. Exercise is in the Bible. Did you know that? Well, he said, exercise thyself rather than unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little. That's the illustration I just gave you. He said, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. He said, exercise yourself unto godliness. You know what godliness is? It's an exercise. Let me ask you something. You can't, you can't have no exercise without resistance, can you? You say, oh, brother Nathan, but a fellow that runs... He's, he's involved with, uh, I think they used to call it calisthenics or maybe they still call it that. He, he's involved with aerobic exercise. He don't have no resistance. He got the resistance of gravity. Hey, in every form of exercise, you got something fighting against you. In every exercise, it might be you. But in every exercise, you've got something fighting against you. Well, he says, exercise yourself unto godliness. You know what that implies? That implies if you're going to live a godly life, there's going to be something fighting against you every step of the way. Yeah. Your flesh, yeah. the world, yeah. the devil. Something's going to be fighting against you every step of the way. There's going to be resistance. There's going to be resistance. Yes, sir. Well, you can't have any exercise if there is no resistance. But you just keep going. Look over with me in the book of James. Watch what happens. Look at what the Bible says right here in the book of James. Look in verse 12. James chapter 1 verse 12. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that endureth. You know what that guy's doing? He's exercising himself. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. He said over in 1 Timothy chapter 4, I believe it was, he said, exercise yourself unto godliness. Well, that exercise implies there's going to be some resistance. Well, James chapter 1 tells you that resistance is temptation. But he said, if you'll endure that temptation... If you'll exercise yourself unto godliness in the face of that temptation, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get some kind of something that sits on your head that says, hey, this guy's alive. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's what it is. It's a crown of life. Hey, here's some kind of ornament of grace, as the book of Proverbs says, that sits on this fellow's head that says, hey, this guy's alive. Judgment seat of Christ, we're going to get rewards. That's all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the Pauline epistles. You're going to get rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. I believe with all my heart, some of those rewards are going to be crowns. Yep. Hey, when you get to the book of Revelation, there's a group of people that's taking crowns and throwing them at the feet of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yep. The Bible says when you come back with the Lord in millennium, you're going to be kings and priests. Here's one of your crowns. What would it be like if you got to heaven, you got to the judgment seat of Christ, and you exercised yourself unto godliness in this life? You endured temptation, some inward passion, some inward desire, and you said, no. Develop the habit. Just said, no, sir, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. And God said, James chapter 1, verse 12, here's a crown of life. Put it on his head. And for the next thousand years while you're ruling and reigning on this earth with Christ over whatever he gives you to rule and reign over, people are walking by and saying, look at that guy. What's the big deal with that guy? That guy's got the crown of life. Well, what's, what's the big deal behind that? Well, that was a guy who in the former world, when he had the opportunity to walk according to the lust of his flesh, he kept telling himself no. No. He didn't do everything that he felt like doing every time he, he got. He didn't walk according to his own pleasure. He didn't walk according to his own will. He served the Lord as God. There's crown of life. So, Brother Nathan, I really like to live. Well, I can tell you this. You won't live by looking for pleasure. I, somebody said that happiness, happiness is something. I believe it was Bob Jones Sr. said that happiness is something you bump into along the journey uh, following the will of God. And that's the way it works. That's the way that it rolls. I know this. You make your happiness the focus of your life, the central point of your life, and you'll be the most miserable creature anybody's ever known. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do you want to live or do you want to be dead while you live? I want to live. I want to live. I want to be able to enjoy this life. Something that you have to just kind of let go. Of. Brother Nathan, I didn't wake up very happy this morning. I didn't either. I got all these red bumps on my legs. Been bothering me all day. Uh, Just about bleeding uh, because I've been scratching so hard. But you know what? Can't live according to pleasure. Got to live according to principle. Got to live according to principle, Lord, we thank you, God for your goodness this morning, Lord. I, I struggled a little bit here tonight, but lord I, I believe god the Lord what was said needed to be or what needed to be said was said. God, I pray, Lord, that you take these things, God, and apply them to our hearts and help us. And, Lord, I pray, God, that you deal with us, God, as you see fit. And, Lord, just work among us, God. Lord, minister. Lord, help us, God, Lord, to uh, not make the focal point of our life, God, pleasure. And, Lord, trying to have fun and trying to be happy. Lord, I pray that you help us, God, to make the focus of our life what's right and what's true and what's holy. God, I pray, Lord, that you help us, God, to let that be the focus of our lives. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, some have come to the altar tonight. If you feel like you need to come, why don't you come on? Why don't you come on and do business with the Lord as he leads?